it's something that I would read. If it was under, you know, somebody else's name, I might enjoy it. I'm, I would read it. And I would say, wow, this I like what this person is, has written. Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler. And this is Tony Russo. And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story? A podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, the stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have Amy Massey, who just published her first children's book titled Audric the Bold. It features an intrepid young man named Audric who is blind. He sets off in search of special blue gourds to save his town's annual fall festival, and he meets some unusual woodland friends along the way. So welcome to the podcast, Amy. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a delight to have you here. Um, I guess a little inside baseball. Um, you you and I actually worked together mm-hmm. on, on Audric and, and the whole process, but I was wondering if you could kind of tell us a little bit about where the inspiration for, for Audric came from. Well, I like the outdoors in moderation. I like a walk in the woods in the fall, and something came into my head one day. I don't really remember very clearly what exactly it was, but I thought, wouldn't it be fun if a little kid went through the forest on his own and maybe he's blind like me, or he didn't have to be, but he just wanted to be, but maybe he uses all his senses besides his sight to tell him things about what's going on in the woods, because I pick up a lot of stuff when I'm outdoors. I hear and I smell things. So why couldn't he try to do that? And why, why not be on a quest for something special in the, in the woods? I love the first question of every book, the idea like mm-hmm. the, the what if that as you start to answer the question, mm-hmm. you also have a, have, have a story unfold for yourself. One of the things we talk about a lot is this idea that everything in the book, and this is, this is my pet theory this isn't normal person's theory um everything that is going to be in the book is in that question and you just have to kind of figure out what you meant when you asked that question and then when you're done figuring it out you've you've got a book that sounds about right (laughs) and so when when you when you go to write do you have do you have like a beginning in mind or you just like well this kind of thing happens you know i think i just have like the beginning it's not real sharply defined. I had to flesh it out some as, you know, why he would go in the woods. What would he be doing in the woods? But, and then there would be little bits and pieces throughout when I thought more about it, like what might he meet in the woods? And of course, you know, if you're going through the woods, you're likely to meet some talking animals because that's what happens in books. (laughs) So I thought about how much fun you could have with talking animals. Yeah, and I think that sort of, plays you know into the very playful nature that mm-hmm. you created with um you know cranberry valley and you know mayor murgatroyd and Audric the bold and you know his family and these little creatures that talk but at the end of the at, when, when you sort of kind of take a st- step back i mean it's a very special story that gets told you know and i think that Audric, you know he you know, he's a young boy, he's off on this quest, but I feel like there's a lot that, you know, kids and adults can pull from. I would hope so, yeah. When, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> when, when, you're, when you're fleshing out, like, 
mm-hmm. how much the animals talk and, and, and what kind of advice they give them. Do, do they have like a, like almost like a chorus role where they come in and they, they do exposition or are they there to help him along on his, on his quest? How does, how does it work with the animals? Well, they helped him along with advice and sometimes actual aid. But his, the first animal he encounters is a skunk who he accidentally offends before he even knows the skunk is there because he smells him. He says out loud, Phew, and the skunk is offended and it makes it known. So he has to, Audric has to make amends, and then they get to be pals. That's fun developing this relationship between, between the, the kid and the animals. When you're writing for uh, a young audience, mm-hmm. Do you find that it's difficult to balance what, you know, what's what's appropriate in in a book that can be a little bit, you know, tense at times? Well, not in this book. I I think I would have had a lot more trouble if I'd tried to write a, a picture book. I think I started out with the idea that it could be, you know, picture book age, mm-hmm. but I gave that up very fast because number one, the pictures have to be really strong to carry a few words, mm-hmm. and number two, it's hard to get the story to say the things you want it to say but keep it you know i don't want to say dumbed down but that's what it is right for like the three-year-old level right yeah and so this is more of a this is more like a preteen book is this a young adult no i would say probably between ages right around maybe seven to twelve but i have had some people tell me that their six or seven year olds have liked it yeah and i think that um you know one of the things you know i think the fact that you know audric is blind Mm -hmm. i think is a you know kind of is sort of unusual you know in the terms of you know what we expect to see and i think when we when you know the book gets kind of moving and we discover that and then we discover that you know all of the people who can see and all the people who could go on this quest suddenly find these very timid reasons why they can't go on the quest but here's somebody who you know, is going to have a challenge, but just is open. At least he's willing to try. He's willing to try. And so could you tell me a little bit about, you know, did you see yourself in Audric or? Not really, but maybe I did. Not consciously. Nothing. I don't think anything about him was especially conscious. I mean, I didn't sit down thinking, okay, he's going to be blind because I'm blind. But it's, that was, I didn't actually set out to have him be a blind character, but that he just wanted to be. Sometimes characters have a little bit of a mind of their own and you (laughs) just have to do what they want. Yeah. And then we we talk about that with other authors all the time. Like, you know, you develop a character Mm -hmm. and then you sort of turn over control to them. Right. And that's sort of what I did. I've had two different people tell me that they think Audric is like my brother when he was a kid. And I certainly didn't, you know, sit there and think, well, this reminds me of Kip. But if they saw it. Yeah, and I think sometimes ourselves and the people we know sort of maybe we're unconscious about it, but they, it kind of filters in anyway, mm-hmm. you know, to Be- our writing. Because you write what you know, supposedly, and it creeps in in unexpected places. I think so. And well, your experience throughout your life is going to inform the character's decisions because they're going to when you're trying to help them solve their problems, right. you, you can only use your own experience and say, well, if this was me, this is what I would do. Maybe right. they would do this or maybe they wouldn't do this because this character is nothing like me. Right. You made the characters. You kind of have to help them along. Right. 
Yeah. Did you, when you, and you and I had actually talked about it a little bit that you didn't really set out to say the moral of the story is anybody can do anything. You know, you, you had kind of set out to say, I want people to take from this story a bunch of different lessons. Right. I've, there's some, there's plenty of stories you can choose from. I mean, morals you can choose from. I mean, if you want it to be, uh, be respectful of nature or stick to your task or help each other or you can do anything you want if you try, that's you take whatever you want from it. Yeah. What... When did you get excited about the book, and what what made you excited about actually going through the process of of making this book a reality? Well, I I have always been told that I should be a writer and that I was a good writer, but I never quite believed it until I got moving on the story and I saw it taking shape, and it looked like something that people would actually read. That was. That was a little bit of a boost to my confidence mm-hmm. because I'm not just writing down stuff that people that are related to me have to say. Right. It's great. It's something that I would read if it was under you know somebody else's name. I might enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I I would read it. And I would say, wow, this I like what this person is, has written. I always say that about my own writing when I let when I set it aside for a couple weeks yes. and I come back to it and I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. Then then it's probably good. And if I come back to it and I'm like, oh, you should never, ever write anything again, then <laughs> it's probably time to trash it and, right. and start I, over. <laughs> I sometimes had to put Audric aside for a while because nothing was going right. And I felt like I hated him and never wanted anything to do with him again. <laughs> and then I'd cool down and I'd go back and say, well, this is something we can do to make this story less obnoxious. There's no need to make more problems for myself. Right. There's an easy solution. And that's the thing, because sometimes you paint yourself into a corner, and you're like, ah. You're so set on one, oh, one thing has to happen, that, but you haven't worked out very well how exactly it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm working on a story right now, and that's the exact part. I'm, I've got to the point, I'm like, all right, well, I know there's a gap, and there's a gap in the action, and I can't mm-hmm. fill it in, because the last thing that happened is not any in any way related to the next thing that's got to happen. Uh-huh. And so that's where that's where you get that kind of weird. Right. And I know the story, you know, it's a little bit of a fantasy session, fantasy uh, setting and fantasy plot, talking animals and blue mm. gourds and all that. But you, it still has to make sense. You still have to be, yeah. you still have to be honest with the reader. You, you can't, you can't pull any unfair tricks on them. It can't be completely like a lunatic wrote it right <laughs> and i can you know attest to you know when you said you know you you people have always told you you've been a good writer i mean mm-hmm. amy is my favorite person to get emails from because even in her emails there's i mean you've got this playful you know insightful way and you know everyone else i'm getting these like sort of very business-like very formal emails and then i'll see amy amy's name pop up in my inbox and i'm like Whatever she's, whatever this is, it's going to be interesting and fun. And I always find myself smiling every time, you know, I get an email from you because it's, I can see your creative mind working even in something as simple as an email, which, you know, when I, sometimes I will go back and I'll look at Audric and I'm like, you know, it's, it is more than, you know, just like a, like a sweet little kid's story. I mean, you come through as a person, like you come through on every page with, with Audric. 
Well, thank you. Yeah, I think that it's... It means a lot to hear that from somebody, you know, that hasn't known me all my life. You know, when you sit down to write, I mean, are you always sort of in, you know, do you, do you sort of normally gravitate towards sort of that fantasy or do you ever think about memoir or do you ever think of like poetry? I mean, when you when you go to write, what's what's going on there? Well, I haven't had all that much practice with writing for, you know, an audience, so... I guess I gravitate to kid stuff and okay. a little bit of a fantasy because it's fun that way. Oh, yeah. I haven't really done anything with poetry except I really like the Shel Silverstein style of poetry. I can totally see you liking that style of poetry. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't progressed very much beyond that in my <laughs> poetry education, to be honest. You might not have to. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. I, I think that's where you him? end up. Yeah, I don't think that's where you start from. I think that's where you end up. Yeah. If it worked for him, it can work for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When you get stuck and you feel frustrated, do mm -hmm. you have any kind of tips or tricks to get you back writing again, or you just have to let time pass? Or? You sort of have to let time pass, but there's sometimes you can get a, out of a situation by asking somebody how exactly might this happen and get a little bit of te technical advice because mm. that might be the only thing that's holding you back. Yeah, and that's that's the way that I end up down a lot of rabbit holes, to be honest, because I'll be like, oh, let me look up how what this really means, and then the next thing you know, you know, you know everything there is about mm -hmm. is to know about, you know, white frogs of Greenland or, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, are frogs white? Next thing you know, four hours are gone. Yeah, it's it's an easy it's an easy thing to do because even if you're writing fantasy, you still want there to be. I would assume I'm not very good at writing fantasy, but I think you still want your reader to to feel like there's some foothold in reality yeah, or something. There's something he can relate to. Right. Yeah. And so as you got to the point where you were nearing like completion of the book, when mm -hmm. did you decide you wanted to reach out and see about getting it published and how what was that what was that process? That like? was my goal all along to be ah. honest, was to be published. I would like to make money as a writer. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not all supposed to talk about how we want to ma make money as a writer, but I think we all do. I, I talk about nothing else. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. Okay, you can, <laughs> then you can talk about it, and I, won't, I don't have to. But I looked around. I didn't know where to start. I've looked, you know, I looked online about online publishing, self-publishing, and I thought everybody in their parakeet is doing this. Right. And how do you even know the wheat from the chaff? Then I hear, you know, a friend's sister got scammed by some Canadian outfit Those out of $5,000. And I'm like, how do you even know? And then it was totally by great good luck. My aunt saw a spot on, I guess it was Delmarva Live or one of those shows about saltwater media. And she told me about it. And this is how I come to be sitting here today. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was a really great relationship. I mean, it was a really fun thing. You know, I... I met Amy and she came in and she told me about this story and it was just, I just fell in love with it immediately. I mean, it's such a sweet story. I had the thing finished ahead of time too. So yeah. that kind of helped it, I think. It definitely helps when the, when, when the author has finished their book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because it's easy to say, you know, I want to write a book or I'm working on a book. I mean, talk is cheap. Yeah. And, and when you come out and you say, I'm, I'm working on it. Then you put that extra pressure. Now someone else knows I'm working on it. Now I have to finish it. But that's also the, a good way to talk yourself into giving up. You know, yeah, like, or, or have all those other people 
putting their mouth in with their opinions. Right. So it, it's it's cool that you that you finished the whole book first and then and then brought it in because I guess that's that doesn't happen a, a, a lot. No, sometimes you know we have clients people that will come in and they're like, I have this idea for a book, and I'm like, great. I can't publish an idea. I can publish words that you've put on paper, and then we can go from there. Um, the one thing Amy didn't have that we did work on were illustrations. Mm-hmm. That was uh, because, the only thing I couldn't do. Right, and so we. I basically was, you know, we, we talked about it and we said, well, what pieces of the book are important? And we, and Amy said, you know, I really feel like, you know, having a, having Audric, you know, we, we definitely need an illustration of him, but then also, you know, as he meets the, the, um, the woodland creatures, you know, mm-hmm. then we had a woodland creature for each to kind of set out, mm-hmm. you know, those different sections of, of the adventure and, um, and then, of course, blue gourds being so important, we we put we did a wrap of the cover with you know these blue pumpkin looking things, and it, I think it turned out really, it, it turned out it was a really fun project to work on. And I've gotten a lot of compliments on the illustrations and the cover, also. Oh well, thank you. Yes. That, that makes me feel good about it. And <laughs> this is for anyone who's at the table who can answer this question. Do you just go to Illustrators R Us? Like, how do you how do you find an illustrator? How does one go about that? Right, so we we actually worked with um, there's uh, I think like think stock photos or whatever, so you can go to like different sites and you buy like packages. Oh. So we just went and I basically worked to find a package of illustrations that had you know a snake and an owl and a skunk and a oh, chipmunk and a squirrel and you know and all the different and a beaver and all the different and smudge the dog. Um, and, and then I had to go to another package and find a little boy. And then we had to do a little bit of the boy that we found. Um, we needed to, we actually contacted, um, a local graphic designer who put glasses on him to make sure, cause you know, we wanted, I mean, he is blind, so right. we wanted to kind of, you know, you know, make sure that that was obvious in the, in the narrative. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think and that, um, it, it tend, I think it worked really well. Yes, I was very happy with it. I didn't have a clear picture in my mind what Audric was supposed to look like. I don't mention in the text except to say that he was a, a little bit small for his age and then he, at another point he's mentioned to have freckles. And that was all I really had in mind, so I wasn't over particular about what he should look like. And we got him freckles. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> if we couldn't have gotten freckles, I, you know, it would have been easy enough to edit out because it's only mentioned once. Right. Well, that's the... The tough thing, another another difficulty that I have is the exposition of what the characters look like. You know, you mm-hmm. you can get a sense of them through their actions, but you know, you, you feel like you want to tell the reader, hey, this mm-hmm. you know, he this is is a kid who's a little small for his, for his size and he has freckles. At least they can connect with him that way. Like finding a little detail here and there right. to connect with is is fine, and then. You know, there's the other side of it where you have like the Raymond Chandler kind of like I'm going to describe down to the last thread what what this person looks like. And that's an info dump. <laughs> yeah. And, and so finding that finding that sweet spot, I know, can be difficult because, yeah. you know, you, you want to kind of share that, especially you, in a short book. Right. I think in a longer book, you have plenty of room to spread out and, you know, drop details throughout. So you get a, a full picture by the end of it. Mm-hmm. But in a small book, a 50 page book. You don't have as much room, and you just have to, like you said, just just hint at it, and then they can, people can fill in their own blanks yeah, from there. They, if you know, if someone wants him to be a redhead, he can be a redhead. If somebody pictures their 
dark-haired nephew, then that's fine, too. Right. But I think what you gave us in, in Audric, I think you, you gave us enough that we can all kind of relate to him. He's every man. He is. <laughs> every boy. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's every boy. And I think that that was, um, I thought that was really clever, the way that you sort of set him up, you know, and he's, he's absolutely, you know, he's just, he, he might be nine and small for his age and freckled, but he's, he's really just dauntless. I mean, he just, you know, he, he, he stands up, you know, and yeah. he, he goes on this adventure and I, I just, he has so much, you know, even spunk. though he has rough spots, he, and he gets discouraged and doubtful. He, like everybody, but he keeps on cause you know, he has something in mind that he wants to do. Yeah, and he's got enough pride to want to s- make sure that he sees it through. Did you have a sense of the ending as you started, or was that something that occurred to you as you as you went along? Well, I knew generally how it was going to end. Mm. I don't want to spoil things, right, yeah. but I knew generally how it end. It was just the getting there. Well, that's it, how we build those gaps, right? Yeah. Now, do you have um, so now that Audric is out and living and he's in other people's hands mm-hmm. and and he's been in front of other people, um, do you find yourself thinking about you know maybe Audric going on another adventure or do you see yourself moving in a different? I am working on another book, but it's not about Audric. Okay. Although it is in the fantasy sort of realm, it's tentatively called the Attack of the Close Fairies. The attack of the clothes fairies. Clothes fairies. You okay. Know, the little critters that get in your closet and shrink your clothes and damage your clothes. Mm. Oh, so that's Don't what's going them? on. Yeah, I think I do have a couple of those. I just, I wasn't aware that that's what they were. So where did, so is that going to sort of be in that same sort of fantasy sort of kind of, kind of vibe that Audric lived in or? Well, it's a little girl this time. Her name was Alyssa and she is. It starts out when her favorite Easter dress is too small for her, and she has to wear a new one that she hates the color of. And a chance remark about the clothes fairies having been at work in her closet gets her thinking. And then some other family members notice that their clothes are not fitting right, and she decides she's going to trap a clothes fairy and have a talk with it, (laughs) have a showdown. That's a great premise. Thanks. My grandfather actually used to talk about clothes fairies being in his closet. So that's, I sort of got the idea from him. I think I have a carbohydrate fairy yeah. in my closet. Oh, the food takes the blame. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they want you to think. That's right. Blame the innocent slab of bacon. <laughs> that's exactly what the clothes fairies scam is all along. The kind-hearted bread pudding. Blame them. Oh, yes. So but it's really those little clothes fairies. <laughs> <laughs> so as you're getting ready to, to kind of set out on the new book, um, you still have this book to promote. So are you doing, like, do you have a website and things like that where you promote your book socially or anything like that? I have a website. It's called uh, www.ghostscribe.wordpress.com. Mm. That's G-H-O-S-T-C-R-I-B-E at WordPress, dot wordpress.com. Mm-hmm. But I do most of my promotion and blogging on the Goodreads website. I have a, a page on an author page on Goodreads, so, and they you can find that under my name, which is Amy Massey. That's A I M E E M A S S E Y. Perfect. Do you find you have success with that? Goodreads was one of the things that people recommended to me, and I signed up, and then I'm sure I know the passcode, but I never really went back. 
So do you find that you can cultivate kind of a following there? Well, I've been on Goodreads for several years before I started writing the book. Mm -hmm. And I've always enjoyed it. I like to review books. And I've made several friends, some of whom I talk to pretty frequently online. And it is a good, I think it is a good place. Yeah. I've got four followers as an author. I don't, I don't, they're not, none of them are my Goodreads friends exactly. Cause I don't, I've never heard of them, but I, at least I know people are seeing it. Right. Yeah. That's, there, there is some satis, there is some satisfaction in, in, uh, compliments from strangers or, yes, or interest from strangers. people who don't have to be nice to you right yeah, yeah. always yes yeah we always you know we always sort of joke sometimes you know that you know when you're your your mom or your wife or whoever you know always says you know oh i love it it's you know it's really good you know there's a part of you that's like not quite believing it because you feel like they have they would to. say that they right. would say that right but then if this total stranger is nice to me well yeah. then that of course you know yeah i and, you know, especially if you know somebody is not easy to impress, you know they're sincere. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that feels really good. This is this is disingenuous of me, but I can't help it. What I try to do to make my opinions sound more honest is I find something or make up something that I don't like, and I will lead with that. <laughs> and then I'll say, well, you know, I wasn't nuts about this, but this was great. And that way people are like, well, you know, he didn't love the whole thing, so he must have genuinely liked it. But that's just be again. That's my psychosis. I don't. I think I would find that to be a little bit of a risky thing to do because what if you know you made up something you didn't like and that person took it to heart and changed it and it wasn't as good? <laughs> yeah, Tony, you've just read my book. Did you do that to me? I did not do that to you. How, how do I know you didn't do that to me? Because I uh -oh. wouldn't lie to you. And, and thus the quandary <laughs> Thus, well, you're I, proving Amy's point. But, but you, you saw my comments. Were any of them nice? <laughs> and I've, I like to think that I'm a little experienced in uh, reviewing books. I've been doing it for several years on Goodreads just mm -hmm. for fun. And there's books that I, you know, have given four or five stars. But I've said, you know, a few times that I wish it had been a little better organized or I wish this particular detail had been ironed out. Right. But... There's some that I just have unreserved praise for, and I, I'm not afraid. I don't think it's – I think I can sense when someone is just slathering it on. and Right. Yeah, and even if someone doesn't have anything to criticize, their genuineness comes through if it's, if it's there. Did you find that being a reviewer gave you a particularly – um, did you find that being a reviewer gave you a particular insight into maybe how to structure your book or to how to approach something that you thought would be more interesting for the reader? Maybe, because I would read other people's reviews and they would point out that this, this is an info dump. We didn't need to know all that all at once. And I saw the things that annoyed people and, you know, how not to write a Mary Sue character. Hmm. and how not to have an info dump and how not to have cliches. So I was on guard for things that were widely disliked. And as you start off on the second book, do you, do you have it outlined? Do you organize it in an outline kind of way, or do you just no, start at the beginning I, and when you get to the end, stop? I just, I just, do, I just write down what comes, and I, I guess I worry about editing later. Yeah. Yeah, because you can't edit if there's nothing there. Right. That's what I've had I, to learn. I have to confess I was never very good at making outlines, even in school. 
Yeah. yeah. They always seem like I understand the purpose of them and I know they work for some people, but to me they always seem a waste of time. Or they can, I think sometimes people can get too committed to the outline and yeah. then it feels like a, the reading feels like a formula. Yes. It's, I think it probably could work better for, you know, for nonfiction where you, it, you should go in linear order. But for fiction, I don't know that it's that important, especially not in a short fiction. Right. Yeah. And I, well, I think that's the beautiful thing about writing is that, you know, we all get to express who we are as individuals and we get to come to the page with the things that interest us as individuals. Yeah, and aside from the basics like, you know, your grammar and basic accuracy, you get to make the rules or break them. All right, Stephanie, this is the part of the show where you thank the guest. Well, Amy, thank you so much for being on the podcast and talking with us about Audric. And thank you so much for having me. So What's Your Story was produced by Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at SoWhatsYourStoryPodcast.com, where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Radio Public, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, take a second and give us a great review. Tell your story.